Empower Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. When there's conflict, when there's disagreement, are you reacting in ways that don't get you what you want? It may be that disagreement or conflict makes you feel a little sick inside you. You might try to avoid it, or you might be trying to resolve it in ways that have the opposite effect that create more conflict instead of less. Well, Judy Ringer is my guest today, and she is here to share wisdom to help you turn enemies into allies. With her insight into conflict resolution, her expert communication skills and mind-body practices, Judy helps people live with more power and presence, and she's here to help us. Are you ready to meet her? Judy Ringer is the author of Turn Enemies into Allies, The Art of Peace in the Workplace, and Unlikely Teachers, Finding the Hidden Gifts in Daily Conflict. She's the owner of Power and Presence Training in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which offers conflict, communication, and presentation skills training using principles from the martial art Aikido, in which she holds a third-degree black belt. You can find out more about Judy and her work at judyringer.com. Judy, welcome to Out of the Fog. Wow. Thank you, Karen. What a nice introduction. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. What what got you interested in conflict resolution in the first place? <laughs> a great question. And I think like most of your guests, it was a personal experience that got me interested in it. I, um, I've been the owner of Power and Presence Training, and I'm, I've been a corporate trainer for 25 years. But before that, I had a 13-year career in real estate, and I sold real estate, and I owned two real estate companies. And you can almost guess right now what got me into it, because it's fairly conflictual business. You're either in the middle of two other people's conflict, um, the buyer and the seller, or sometimes you have your own with a banker or a building inspector or closing agent. and So I began to notice that I was always saying okay to everything. I have a default conflict style that is accommodation. I love to make people happy, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I still love that style. And yet, sometimes, you know, we have to speak up. We have to say no or express a different opinion or ask for something that we want that someone that we're not sure if if that person wants to give it to us or not. So, uh, so I began to study. I began to read. I also almost left the company I was working for at the time because um, the manager was, I thought, really putting um, holds on me, holding me back from being everything I wanted to be. And so I was going to leave the company, but I was selling so much that the owners didn't want me to. And Mm -hmm. so they sent me to a course out in Colorado and uh, it was called Money and You. And it had a lot of different modules in it, but one of them was taught by a man named Thomas Crum, C-R-U-M, who has become my lifelong mentor. And he practiced an art called Aikido, A-I-K-I-D-O. And he applied the principles of Aikido to conflict, to uh, personal power, 
to achieving our goals in life and what are um, finding out what they are and working towards them. And so I just became fascinated with Aikido and began to uh, study the principles of it and bring it back to Portsmouth, New Hampshire, where I live and teach it to other people. And so this is in the mid 80s. And eventually I got out of real estate and I began to teach this work with Tom's permission. And so um, I, uh, anyway, that's the answer to your question about how I got into conflict resolution. And then how I got into Aikido is another story. And I'm happy to share that too, if you want me to. But tell me, and I'd also, I'd like to know what, what is Aikido? People yeah. talk about martial arts and all of a sudden we're jumping and kicking and breaking blocks of wood. And that's not what Aikido is. Correct. Aikido's goal is to render the attack harmless without harming the attacker. And you might think, well, how do you do that? You know, um, this person's attacking me. How do I stay safe and not harm them? And so uh, that's what Aikido studies. You you practice entering uh, with uh, the energy that you're being given. You practice, first of all, seeing the attack as a gift of energy that you can do something with rather than block it or resist it or strike back. And you begin to turn your part, your enemies into allies, as the name of my book suggests. Um, so I got into Aikido because when I started teaching Tom's principles in the early 90s, I thought, well, I really need to understand this from a real experiential point of view, not just um, although Tom's teaching was wonderful, I really needed to get on the mat myself. And so I did. And I began to practice Aikido and gradually started my own real estate company because I'm an entrepreneur and I love to start things. And uh, and it's still running today in Portsmouth, Portsmouth Aikido. So I got into Aikido that way. And now I teach uh, conflict management transformation. I like to call it conflict transformation uh, and conflict skills and communication skills using this uh, martial art. You say that conflict can be an opportunity. And I know I, I can't be the only person for whom conflict is something to either be to either run away from or to like grit your teeth and jump in swinging. So how can how can we see conflict as an opportunity? What is it an opportunity for? Ah, well, so many things. And, you know, I want to just hark back to your website because, you know, you talk about transformation and awareness and spiritual paths and, you know, conflict, I know it sounds crazy, but it can be all of those things. It can be a spiritual path if you want it to be. I mean, so an opportunity to learn, right? To learn about myself first and foremost, what triggers me? What makes me want to fight back or what makes me want to shut down or why am I an accommodator all the time? And how can I begin to find my voice in conflict situations and what will make me feel safe? What internal mechanisms can I create and practice myself to make me feel safer expressing myself? So that's been my own path. For some others, it's how can I st catch myself before I, as I'm getting triggered and before I say something that I'm going to regret or before I launch into an argument or a fight that I feel like I need to win. Uh, so those, those are some basic opportunities. How do I learn about myself? How do I learn about other people? For example, um, the, uh, 
the manager that I was so upset with, you know, when I took time to really listen to her and find out what she was about, I realized that, you know, we weren't on such different paths after all. And I was able to talk to her a little bit about how her style felt um, confining to me. And maybe if she let me go a little bit on my own, I could actually sell more real estate, which she was interested in as well. (laughs) Does that make sense? It does make sense. And it's, I'm thinking about how it's in the ways that we meet resistance when it's on our path. We can meet that resistance in a way that shows us where our boundaries are and helps us get clearer about what it is that we want and who we are and how we are in the world. Or we can meet resistance on our path as a, as something to go, well, there's resistance. Guess I better stop. Well, that person didn't, didn't, just didn't agree with me. I guess I better never do that again. There, the way we are with resistance is so important and a big part of what I teach is that idea of getting just a breath's distance away from mm-hmm. the trigger, just time to take a breath. Or if you can't take a full breath, take half a breath to get away from that trigger enough so that you can see yourself in the trigger and then make a decision about how you're going to respond. So I love what you're saying, because to me, it speaks into that idea of kind of lessening our reactivity mm-hmm. and making the response that much more powerful. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, that breath's distance. I love that. The pause, the power, the pause to uh, to catch yourself being yourself and decide if this is what you want to do or not. And sometimes it is, you know, sometimes you want to say, like for myself, sometimes I want to say, OK, that sounds great. Or no, I don't have any objections. But because that's my default, I always have to take that breath, right, to decide, is this my, am I defaulting or am I, do I actually, is it really okay with me? Right. Yeah. So one of the things that you talk about in, in the book is that idea of being being at center or being a centered presence. And I think that centered presence is that place from where we can take the breath. Yes. Um, how can we find center? Mm-hmm. Wow, there's so many ways. Uh, so when I teach it, I first of all, I ask people if they know what I'm talking about, right? So I'll, I'll just ask your listeners for a moment to just think, what does center mean to you? When you're centered, you're what? And how would you finish that sentence? And people often say things like, I'm calm, I'm present, I'm listening. I'm flexible, I'm at peace, I'm curious. People have all kinds of answers. Often calm is the first one. Um, And so when people are able to answer that question and they say, when I say, when you're centered, you're what? And they say, I'm calm. Okay, well, how do you get there? That's my next question. So oftentimes people can answer it for themselves. And that's the most powerful answer. Now, if they can't and if they want or and or if they want some additional support, I lead them through an exercise in which I put a little pressure on them, either by pushing on their sternum or on their back or on their arm. And I have them and they notice that they become unbalanced when I put when I put that pressure on. And the pressure, of course, my hand can represent anything. It can represent a difficult person, a tough staff meeting. It can represent an email or a text that just gets us out of sorts. So then I ask them to find their center, to to take a deep breath and exhale. And almost all the time, Karen, on the exhale, I press and they're absolutely stable, like a tree rooted to the ground. 
So what you say about the breath is often the the most uh, the most easy and the quickest way to get us back to center is to, it doesn't even have to be a giant deep breath. It can just be to start breathing again, because oftentimes when we're uncentered, we're holding our breath. We're not breathing. We're tight. We're rigid. We're tense. So as they exhale, they get centered. Now there's other ways. For example, um, the center of gravity in our bodies is about two inches below our navel, an internal spot that is a very centering point. And if we just think about it, in Aikido, we call it one point, this point around which our energy organizes and extends out into the world around us. And the more centered we are, the bigger our energy, our ki is. Aikido means the way of blending with ki, with energy. And so if I focus on that point, and if your listeners want to, they can just stand up, put their hands there about an inch or two below their navel and just focus on that. And they'll notice they'll calm down. Their shoulders will drop. They'll start to breathe and they'll feel more stable. So those are just some easy ways. Other ways people have are, you know, looking at a picture of a loved one, thinking of something that centers them, you know, that gets them back to that calm, peaceful place. Does that help? It's very helpful. And it I know from reading the book that you advocate people work on having a centered presence before the conflict starts, right? You want to have a way of living, um, have this be a regular part of how you're living so that when you start to meet resistance, which of course you will, because yay, earth school and there's resistance everywhere, that you can be in that space. Yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that about having, you didn't exactly say practice, but that's part of this because- Unless we practice it in easy times, you know, like like walking or uh, meditating or um, just taking a moment to sit quietly every day and look out at the at nature at a tree or anything, unless we have quiet sitting practices that we do every day and are committed to yoga is another example. Uh, anything can be a committed practice that we do with that intent. To get centered every day. Unless we have those, it's it's harder to be more spontaneously centered when something comes our way. We can create little rituals too, if this helps. Um, for example, when my telephone rings, whether it's my landline or my cell phone, I take a minute to look at the caller ID, to listen to the sound, to decide how I'm going to approach the call. Caller ID tells me if I want to answer it at all. And if I do, I know who it is and I can center myself first. Uh, Another way is putting on your seatbelt when you get into the car and ready to drive away. Think about it as a centering belt and just get yourself calm before you uh, turn the ignition key. These are some just simple rituals. Coming home from work, uh, putting your hand on the doorknob before you walk into your home. Take a breath, center, you walk in a different person. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager, and I'm talking with Judy Ringer. Her new book is Turn Enemies into Allies, The Art of Peace in the Workplace. So from that place of centered presence, from that idea of blending our energy, not maybe with resistance, but with kind of stepping into flowing, transforming energy, when it comes to people with whom we're in conflict, whether those are our colleagues at work, or maybe it's a boss, it might be that we're thinking ahead a couple of months to that holiday dinner, where you know, there's going to be fighting. What are some of the tools that we can use to keep ourselves steady and um, encourage meaningful conversation, so that it's not just 
shouting? Yes, thank you. That's a great question. Uh, well, the first word that I will share with people is curiosity. Shift into a curious mindset. If if you're feeling in a if you're feeling let you're in a conflict state or ready to argue, usually it's because we think that the other person is wrong or bad or or just confused or you know crazy uh, and and we want to set them straight in some way and we know we're right and and oftentimes we are and it doesn't matter whether we're right or not that's the cool thing about curiosity and about this to, as a tool in in um, diminishing conflict and resolving it and and calming other people down, also yourself. Because the minute you can ask a question out of curiosity, you have changed the game completely. So let's say somebody comes to me and say, you know, I, I hate that idea. Let's say we're at a staff meeting and, you know, Judy, that, that idea is really dumb. It's not going to work. And of course, I, the, my first intention is I want to show them I have, I, I know it's going to work. I've tried it. It's, it's great. It's a great idea. But instead I stop and I go, well, Jeff, whatever, um, tell me why. Why do you think it's dumb? Why don't you like the idea, right? Maybe Jeff just, maybe Jeff doesn't mind the idea. He just thinks we can't afford it, right? And I've suddenly opened up a new avenue of exploration. Or maybe I just learned why he thinks it's dumb and I hadn't thought of that, right? And so now we have something new to work on as partners in problem solving rather than adversaries who are just advocating each other, you know, our own point of view without looking for a way to uh, solve the conflict. So in Aikido, that's called blending. It's called entering and blending. So my entry in, in a real life attack, let's say on the, on the mat, not a real life attack, but in Aikido, someone comes at me with a punch. Instead of blocking that punch and hitting back, I get out of the way, first of all, so that the punch, the arm goes by me. And then I enter in and I um, connect with the attack by, by uh, grabbing the person's arm and then redirecting it in terms of uh, a pin or a, a throw. So in real life, my curiosity allows me to ask a question. That's me entering. Hey, Jeff, why don't you like the idea? What would you do instead? Right? It doesn't mean I have to agree with Jeff. It just means I want to know what he's thinking. Now I can see his point of view and we can work on the problem from from a, the point of view of, um, well, we can work on the problem together. And it only takes one to change. I don't, Jeff doesn't have to change. I just have to ask a question. I'll and stop there I'm, for a minute. Yeah. What I'm hearing in that though is also your respect for Jeff. Because another way into that would be Jeff says your idea is stupid, and then you're like, oh, great, that's Jeff. He has never liked me. He has always been against me from the very beginning. I knew he would say that. Instead, what I'm hearing is that you, with that question, and a, and in a non-sarcastic way, opened it up in a respectful way. I'm really curious to know what you have to say, Jeff. Yes. And that respect, I think, is missing in a lot of the discourse, political and otherwise, Yes, that's going on right now. It so is. And I'll, I'll add something to that too, Karen, because I think it's respect for Jeff, but, and I think it's respect for, for a process, for trying to solve a problem. And even if Jeff isn't my favorite person on the team, and even if he's always objecting, and there are people like that, that's just, they, they play that role. And it's hard to work with them sometimes. And 
I can change that dynamic if I respect that there's a, an, a, pro, a possible other process here that we can that we can engage in. And um, and you're so right that so much of the discourse we hear today is adversarial. Uh, and all we need to do is have one or two people in a room who begin to ask questions and are sincerely interested in solving a problem to change all that. Can conflict be resolved if both parties aren't in agreement? If, if you and I are on such different sides of things, we will never agree. Can we still resolve conflict and work together? Great. Um, yeah, I... I so that might be called conflict management. Uh, so I think we can still work together if we have uh, positive intentions. And if we have a bigger intention than just being needing to be right or prove ourselves right. So can two people still work together? Yes, absolutely. It takes some skill and it only takes skill actually on one person's part. Uh, if people are unskilled, then it's going to be hard, Karen, uh, to work together because uh, the need um, to be right becomes greater than the need to solve the problem or to work together well. And and some of it depends on how big my purpose is, you know, and how, um, like, if if my purpose in this organization is to is to uh, help the organization flourish, then I'm going to be better able to work with someone who I don't get along with. And we, we, we will not like everybody. And we can also walk away from conflicts with some dignity and some respect for each other. So to answer your question simply, I, I don't think all conflicts are resolvable to the extent that we all agree. And I believe that we can walk away from them with some respect for each other and with some dignity. And thirdly, I think that we you know, there's that phrase, we agree to disagree. I think that we go there too soon. I think that we agree to disagree without asking all the questions we might ask and learning more about our, ourselves and the other person in in the conflict. Mm. And there's judgment in that too sometimes yes. because we agree to disagree means I'm right and you're not smart enough to see it. So we'll exactly. just agree to disagree. <laughs> exactly. That's so true. <laughs> now, with just a couple minutes left together, we, I often hear from listeners who are in work situations that they find toxic, where they feel like just going into the office, their heart is pumping faster. They're worried that they're going to mm. get fired or somebody's out to get them. What can you share for listeners who feel like just getting into the office is the attack? Right. Yeah. Well, in addition to everything I've said so far, I would add that uh, coping skills are really important and that you find ways, if, if you're not the leader, if you're the leader, then you need to take some action and um, deal with the toxic person in it. And there's a variety of ways to do that. But let's say, because I think your question is about someone who is, say, a peer or a direct report. Mm -hmm. um, I think we cope by centering ourselves, by uh, by removing ourselves from the toxicity as much as possible. I mean, we can't do it all. We can't always be away from that person. However, we can uh, find ways to um, to uh, get into centering environments, create one for ourselves. I mean, you can also, I mean, you know, there, there are various options. You cope, you talk to the person, and you find out if they're not going to change, then you go back to coping. You talk to your manager, 
and of course, there's the leaving. You can leave the environment completely. You can quit and get a different, different job. I mean, if it's that bad, you might consider that. Judy, thank you so much for being for being on the program. This has been really fun talking to you. Ditto. It's been great. Thank you, Karen. Thanks. It's a lot more fun than talking to Jeff. I'll tell you what, he really, that guy. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. This is, um, we've been talking with Judy Ringer and her new book is Turn Enemies into Allies, The Art of Peace in the Workplace. She's also the author of Unlikely Teachers, the Finding the Hidden Gifts in Daily Conflict. You can find out more about Judy and her work at judyringer.com. And you'll also find on that website, there's a ton of resources there, including free stuff that you can download frequently asked questions about conflict and resolving it so head over there there's videos all kinds of good stuff over at judyringer.com and you're always welcome over at karenhager.com that's a great place to find out what's coming up on this radio show find out about upcoming classes you can even book a private session with me if you are so inclined that's at karenhager.com and if you believe as i do that when we do bow with respect to people with whom we disagree, that when we stop to take a breath and center ourselves, that we really can change the world. If you believe that, I invite you to check out openpeacefulheart.com. That's where you'll find recordings and information about live events, free 15-minute guided meditation events that we do the first Sunday of every month. So go to openpeacefulheart.com. Those calls bring together people from all over the world. There's no selling, there's no yelling, there's no discussion, pol discussion political or otherwise. It's just people coming together to breathe and to focus on peace openpeacefulheart.com and thank you for listening today together we are spreading a little more light in the world and a little more light is always a good thing until next time I'm wishing you peace 